Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Who Are You podcast by BiotropicLabs.com, sports performance supplements for people who move. Use the code PODCAST20 if you want to try something out. The burden of proof is on me. And as always, a satisfaction guarantee. I've got a Who Are You today, one of my very good friends for quite some time. Very humble guy. He's not going to like this little bit of an intro here, but he's a famed financial markets trader, and his name is Courtney Smith. Hey, Courtney, thanks for showing up today and hanging out with me for a bit. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. How did you get into the trading business and take us through it from the start to today? Uh, Very briefly, I was in high school and... um, I was really very interested in philosophy, particularly the, uh, I was going to say English, but most of them were Scottish philosophers like John Locke and uh, uh, Hume and uh, John Stuart Mills and those guys. And uh, then I discovered that philosophers don't make any money. So I said, okay, well, that's no good. So I said, well, then I'll go into psychology because psychology is really just applied philosophy. So I actually went to university, first year university, as a psych major, and then I realized they don't make any money either. So then I said, well, I'll go into economics because economics is applied psychology. <laughs> so I went into uh, economics and I said, well, you know, the best way to determine if a, uh, an economic theory is correct is does it describe reality? Uh, more correctly than others. So if, if Marxism is fantastic, then uh, then it should be able to predict the future better than any other philosophy, and it should be able to describe what's going on better. Is capitalism better? Does it predict the future better? Anyway, so I went through that whole process, and I started saying, well, if these theories work, then they should be able to predict uh, where currency prices are going to go, where the price of gold is going to go. So that's how I started trading, was empirically testing economic theories. And that was so profitable, I dropped out of university and went into trading full-time around 1971. You had influences. At some point when you started studying <laughs> trading, you read books, you listened to people, you did what you had to do to become a successful trader. Who are some of those influences? Well, I have to say there really weren't any books when I started. Uh, I'd say nearly everything I learned was through hard knocks. In the mid-70s, my first job was with a guy by the name of Jim McKeever, and he's uh, no longer with us. He's passed on to the big uh, uh, stock exchange in the sky, but he taught me a lot about gold and things like that. But you got to realize there was only five or six books ever written about the stock market in print at that time, and only one or two books on futures trading at that time. And of course, options didn't exist. So really, it was very, very difficult to learn. And, you know, other than Jim McKeever, I had no mentors. I never met another trader until 1979 or 1980. Now, I did meet Larry Williams, who's a a great and famous trader in the mid-70s. Yeah, good man. Absolutely. And he had written a couple of books by that point. So I read his books. But I guess in a way, in terms of being a profitable trader, it was mainly hard knocks until the mid 70s when I read a paper by a Merrill Lynch researcher who was testing the theories of Richard Dantian, who had worked at Shearson. And uh, this researcher named Ted Hockheimer, he wrote this report. He said, well, Donchin put out this report and he had these techniques and it can't be that easy to make money. So he, this guy Hockheimer at Merrill Lynch tested them and he said, oh my God, they really, it, it really is that easy to make money in the markets. Well, I read Hockheimer's report and I said, oh, it can't be that easy to make money in the market. So myself and a friend of mine went back to university so we could get access to these brand new things, which I understand became quite popular, called computers. 
but back then they were <laughs> they were gigantic room-sized things. Do you see what I'm saying? So nobody yeah. could buy one. They cost millions of dollars. So my friend and I spent $10,000, bought an old uh, a database of back data, and we tested Don Chin's ideas out, and we found out, yeah, it really was that easy to make money. So that's really when I really ramped up my trading at that point, because now I could make money in a systematic way, not based on my guts or my intelligence, but on a systematic way. Can you ever really take your guts and your emotions out of trading? Yes. Let me put it to you another way then. Well, okay, let me say, no, let me put this, yes, you can do it. It's extremely hard. Well, here's really how I look at it. Tell me what you think. I think that because we're human, it's impossible to remove for everybody, almost everybody. You may be an exception. You are an exception in many, many areas, but let's, let's push you off the table here for a second. So I think that you can take 75% to 95% of emotions out of trading, but because we're human, we always feel those losses. I don't think you can get rid of that. I don't think you can completely eliminate it because we're human. What do you say to that? I'd say it is possible, but once again, extremely, extremely hard to do. For example, I don't think either Marty Schwartz or Michael Marcus particularly feel losses. I don't particularly feel losses at this point. But part of it too, remember Craig, is with those three gentlemen, and certainly they're far better traders than I am. But after a while, you've just had so many losses that what's another loss? It's not meaningful. Yes, I do get that. And there's another really critical point to this, which I'm going to bring up and I'm going to ask you to comment on. But you, you just said something fascinating. So you have a background in psychology, despite the fact you moved on from it, you have yeah. that background. Michael yes. Marcus had that background. He actually, yeah. before he was a trader, was studying psychology at Clark University when he stumbled into trading and left it. So, And Marty Schwartz was a Marine. <laughs> I see some huge psychology there. That's very disciplined stuff. So you three are probably exceptions to the rule. So that's why I say 75 to 95% max oh, and for yeah. the rest of us yeah. want to feel it. But the most important thing is that people need to understand is that losses are a part of winning. Thank God I'm a former athlete. I understand that I lost more than I won, but I won when it counted most. And that's what you're, you're doing here is you're, you're chasing the wins as an athlete, the important wins as an athlete. And as a trader, you can lose... 50, 60% of your trades, as long as you have a good trading strategy, it becomes irrelevant that you've lost 50, 60 of 100 trades, 50 right. to 60%, because right. it's not about those. Those are hopefully with a good system managed losses, but right. those runners end up wiping out that completely the remaining 40, even the remaining 30%, depending on your style of trading, will yes. wipe out those losses. And that's really what we're trying to do here is become a much bigger winner and a much smaller loser. So the number of losses when you have a good system is really not relevant. Correct. What's technical analysis? That's where you examine the actual price behavior of whatever it is you're trading. So you examine the actual prices of General Motors or soybeans or whatever. What's fundamental analysis? That's where you analyze the underlying supply and demand of that particular instrument. So a fundamental analysis of General Motors is how many cars are they going to sell? Uh, what's the economy doing? If we're looking at soybeans, how many soybeans are planted? How many are going to be harvested? What are the exports? So one is of the price behavior alone, and the other is of the underlying supply and demand of that instrument. Okay, so the debate goes or the discussion goes that all fundamental analysis, all known and even unknown information is yeah. always priced into the market, which means that technical analysis is uh, the way to go, that it's easier, it's simpler. If you really become an expert at being able to analyze price patterns and charts, that's 
uh, a very valid and the only way you need to go. You don't need to have you don't need to have fundamental analysis down. First off, is that true? And if it's true, then why bother with fundamental analysis and who would do fundamental analysis? Well, first of all, it's not true. What you're talking about is the efficient market hypothesis. But all I have to do is throw back to you seasonality, which we talked about earlier. And there, that just demolishes the efficient market hypothesis. Mm -hmm. So uh, because we do still know that corn tends to make its low in, uh, in, in November and December when it's harvested. And it makes its high in the, in the summertime when we're concerned about the upcoming uh, planting. So, you know, it's so easy to demolish the, the efficient market hypothesis. Okay. Having said that, fundamental analysis is hard. And it's a full-time job. And it's something that, you know, I devote 8, 10, 12 hours a day because I am a trading slut. I'm trading foreign exchange, stocks, futures. So I'm having to do fundamental analysis on many, many things. But you don't have to do fundamental analysis in order to make money. But let's take a look at this for a second. What's the advantage of technical analysis versus fundamental analysis? Well, fundamental analysis can give you insights into something that a technician can never understand at all, will never understand. And as a result, you can create models, which I do, where I can say, well, this thing is priced at $50 right now, but it really is worth $100. So if I buy it, I have the opportunity to make 100% on my money. A technician can never do that. The problem with fundamental analysis is that, and, and so fundamental analysis can give you a strength of opinion, a confidence that a technician can never have because a technician doesn't really even understand reality at all, whereas a fundamental analyst, if they're good, if they're good, can understand reality at a much deeper level. What's the bad news about fundamental analysis? Well, it's a hell of a lot of work. And if the price is at 50 and it goes to 40, you should buy more. And if it goes to 30, you should buy more. And if it goes to 20, you should buy more. Well, of course, you're bankrupt you know, at, by that point. So fundamental analysis has some positives and some negatives. Well, what about technical analysis? Well, technical analysis has the advantage of it tells you where to put a stop loss. Whereas a fundamentalist doesn't know where to put a stop loss, a technician knows where to stop the losses and to get out with a small loss rather than a death-defying bankruptcy loss, okay? And that's important. And in the final analysis, we don't trade fundamentals, we trade prices, which is what a te technical analyst is, is doing. But the disadvantage of technical analysis is when confronted with two trades, which one's better? The technician has no idea, so they have to do both. A fundamentalist can say, no, that one's better because that one is undervalued, whereas that other one is overvalued. So to me, if you only can do one, you should do technical analysis. No question about it. It's much easier. You can do it in 15 minutes a day, um, and you can be incredibly successful and make huge amounts of money. And some of the greatest traders of all time are pure technicians. I think the ideal is both, but that's hard couple of interesting thoughts for me. So let me see if I got this right. If I distilled this down into the simplest thing, I would say what I just learned is that technical analysis allows me to trade the here and now. And with technical analysis, I can look backwards and try to judge how things are going to go in the future based on looking backwards. The advantage of fundamental analysis is I get that, but because analyzing a stock or a commodity or yields, crop yield ratios, I can actually make an educated guess on where it's going and predict, loosely predict where it's going to go and 
to your point, I have much more confidence about my trade when I put it on because I can actually look forward with, with fundamental analysis than I can with technical analysis. No question. Absolutely right. right. Technical analysis has very little predictive value. It is a reactive technique, whereas fundamentals should be a predictive technique and not a reactive technique. Just to drive your other point home, you mentioned that you've known pure technical traders that have made millions of dollars and in pure fundamental that of analysts who have made millions of dollars. A friend of ours, more a friend of yours than mine, Jack Schwager, wrote a book called Market Wizards. He, subsequent to that, has a little audio book, which I think any trader, anyone should listen to because he does a good job of presenting this idea. And I, I know Michael Marcus is one of the subjects. He's a technical trader. And I think the other side of that is Marty. Was Marty a fundamental trader? Actually, this is, okay. So Jack Schwager actually used to work for me. But the place that he worked at before he came to work for me was for Michael Marcus. We're talking about like 1982. And I had never heard of Michael Marcus in 1982. And that is because, as I said earlier, Michael is a quiet guy. He doesn't want the attention, doesn't care about it. He likes to just yeah. be quiet and live under his rock and do his thing. So I had a woman working for me who's a tremendous fundamentalist. She works at Charles Schwab now as a fixed income. She's head of fixed income strategy, I think. Anyway, and she had worked with Jack at Michael. And she said, oh, Jack's available. You should hire him. So I hired Jack. And then when I quit at Payne Weber, he took over my job because he is fantastic. His books are all excellent. All He's a there. big, big fundamental uh, trader though too, isn't yes. he? He's really a big fundamentalist. Okay. So I would say, you know, Marty was more of a, a day trader. So he was much more technical than anything. Uh, with a little bit of an eye to the fundamentals. I'd actually think Michael is more of a fundamentalist than, than Marty was. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. Michael is a very, very good handle on fundamental analysis and at, at a high level, it's particularly when it comes to complex stuff like interest rate uh, trading. I mean, I, I just leave the room. And frankly, I do with you too. I mean, you're a brilliant fundamental analyst. You are easily among the very top people in the world out there on your understanding and application of fundamental analysis. Even with you, I've been sat there just looking glassy-eyed and gee, I thought I knew something. I don't really know all that much. And now I've got to look like I know something while Courtney's talking. I can't, I can't disappoint Courtney. If Courtney ever said after any one of those discussions, okay, Craig, so what was the lesson? I'd go, uh, 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 gee, uh, the lesson is it's time for a cup of coffee. Let's take a break and let me ruminate on this for about a year. Hopefully you'll forget you asked a question and I can get away with giving you no answers. So Richard Dennis is a famous guy who followed uh, Richard Donchin. Uh, Ed Sakota. Both of those guys made huge amounts of money on pure technical analysis. They probably couldn't spell corn. You know what I'm saying? Okay. They probably couldn't spell IBM. But on the other hand, I was allocated money by a tremendous guy who just retired last year named Vim Quaker, uh, a Dutch guy. So that's W-I-M and his last name is K-O-O-Y-K-E-R. You can look him up. But anyway, he was a pure, uh, and also Lewis Bacon, who we talked about earlier, they were very much big into fundamentals. So you can make money either way, okay? It, what We always say you should match your trading style to your emotional style. Because Craig, as you know, we can talk about fundamentals and technicals all day long. It doesn't matter. What matters is the psychology of trading. That's the hard part. And we're going to touch, that's the next question. That's the next thing I want to get to. Uh, before I do, I just want to drive the point home that Schwager did this about 40-minute audio comparing one brilliant fundamental trader 
who couldn't even begin to understand why anybody would ever trade technically. And he made mi- you know, millions upon millions trading fundamentally. And meanwhile, we've got Michael Marcus over here, as we talked about earlier, 30,000 into 80 million. Yes, you're right about Michael. He's a brilliant fundamental analyst, but he really traded more technically than fundamentally, though he would apply it. But uh, so Schweiger was driving the point home that you're making, which is both of them work. You got to find the thing that, yeah. that fits your style of trading. Yeah. And you really have to understand fundamental analysis before you reject it or accept it. And yeah. the same with technical analysis. And then lean into which of those makes sense for your personality and your psychology. That brings me to the next, I think, is the most important part of trading, which is psychology. I know you, if you don't believe that the way I just put it, I know you're in the in oh. range of thinking that. No, and, I absolutely believe it's the hard part. Everything else is easy in trading. There's lots of reasons why it's hard. One of them, and this is not necessarily the first, is nobody wants to learn it because it's no fun. Everybody wants to learn technical analysis and then get to their charts and, and start finding out where they get in, where they get out, you know, how they'll take a loss. They want to get into the water, so to speak. Yeah. The water's warm. They want to jump in. They want to flap around. But yeah. They don't understand that if you don't know how to swim first, you're just going to drown. And that's that's effectively what happens with most people. Let's spend some time on psychology. What is the big deal with it? And why does it matter more, in my view, once you know everything, once you really are an expert in technical analysis or know what you need to know, whatever that is, or fundamental or combination of the two, once you've got that down and you can talk it, then that shit you can put to the side because that's where trading becomes a real thing. And once you get into the market, psychology is going to be what gets you through a loss or through even through a win. Why is psychology so important? Break it down. Okay. So fundamental analysis, it takes a long time to learn it, but it's not hard. But let's say, let's say it's hard. Technical analysis is trivial. I can teach you a profitable technique in the next two minutes. Okay. It's that trivial to make money. It doesn't matter. I can hand you that technique and nearly everyone will screw it up and lose money. Even though it's a profitable technique, they'll still screw it up. Now let's get to the answer. So I'm just saying, making money is easy, but 90% of people don't do it. And it's all because of the psychology. And I believe that the main reason is because of their ego and because of certain structural differences of trading versus other ways of making a living. For example, you said before, that basically everybody can't separate their psychology and they're going to feel bad because of a loss. And I agree with that. You know, 99% of people, if they have a losing trade, they buy General Motors and it goes down a dollar instead of up a dollar, they feel bad. Why do they feel bad? Just objectively, if I was a Martian, why do you feel bad? Well, because I lost money. Well, so what? If you go to a movie and uh, you pay 10 bucks for the ticket, and you don't know if it's going to be a good movie or not, turns out to be a bad, bad movie, you go home and say, oh my God, I lost $10. I had a losing trade at the movie. No, of course you don't, because it's a trivial amount of money. You don't attach your ego to the $10 it costs to go to the movie. But everybody attaches their ego to the outcome of a trade that they have no control over. You're doing a podcast with me, which means you have almost 100% control over this podcast. If you don't like something I say, edit it out. Throw me out entirely. You sell supplements, tremendous supplements. You know that if you do certain advertising, you get certain sales. So you have a lot of control over the outcome of your actions. Now, Craig, you're a trader also. You put on a trade. Do you control any of the outcomes of any of your trades? No, I don't control anything there. The only thing 
I can do is just decide to get out if I'm in, in deep enough pain in a loss or decide to get out if I think I... You don't know if you're going to make money or lose money on any trade whatsoever. No, no. So people in their lives are in, nobody's 100% control of anything, but we have a high degree of control over the outcomes of our actions. But in trading, we have no, no control over it. That's one huge problem. Here's another problem that, that people have. You're a kid and you're told by your parents to do this or you're going to get spanked, or you used to, your parents would say you get yeah, spanked. Yeah, not, not anymore. You're going to jail today, court. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> your kids are taken away from you if you spank. <laughs> That's right. But the point is you're still chided by your parents. Don't cross the street. In other words, you're taught to always do something, and if, you're, and if you do something wrong, you get punished. Then you go to school. If you make a mistake, you get a D. You flunk. Oh, no, you don't do that anymore either, do you? Okay, all right. Then you finally grow up and you get a job. And if you keep making mistakes, you get fired. But as we discussed earlier, I can have 60% of my trades go against me, i.e., quote, unquote, mistakes, and I can still make money. But people are trained their whole life never to make mistakes. And yet, here we're now entering into an activity where 50% of our trades, 40% of our trades, 30%, 60% are, quote, unquote, mistakes. And as a result, people, we've been trained not to do that. And now all of a sudden, we're in a place where, what difference does it make? You see what I'm saying? Um, Richard Dennis said that uh, trading is like swimming upstream against human nature. And that's, that's why it's difficult. We go and put on a trade. We may have a trading system uh, like Richard Dennis, where he only had 35% of his trades profitable. So he was making, quote, unquote, a mistake 65% of the time. That drives people crazy because they've spent their whole life being trained. They're never supposed to make a mistake. Okay, but you have to not look at trading the way you look at anything else. This is why it's a psychological issue. So instead, you have to look at it like a casino. If you sit down at a, at, and play blackjack with the casino, they only have like a 51-49 edge over you. So the casino already knows they're going to lose almost 50% of the time, and they know that you could win 10 times in a row, but the casino sits back there cool as a cucumber and says, it's okay, pal, keep sitting there, because at the end of a thousand hands, you don't have a chance. Same thing with trading. I sit down, and the reason why I don't get emotionally involved in the trades is I say, I'm the casino. You want to do a trade with me? Okay, great. You might win. You might lose. I might win. I might lose. I don't know. I don't care. But at, a th at the end of a thousand trades, you don't have a chance, Mr. Market. I'm going to take all your money. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Different yeah. psychology. I don't mind losing trades because I know I'm going to have a million of them. So why should I worry about it? So people should not think of becoming a trader and just uh, once they learn all this stuff, they're going to jump in and just start making money, which, by the way, they could right out of the gate. And, they can. Uh, of course they can if they have the right psychology. You know, like I say, it's easy to, to make money in the market. It's not hard at all. All right. You mentioned you have no control when you're trading. So this confuses me. Why would I trade if I have no control? That makes me feel like there's nothing I can do when I enter trade to get a sense that it's going to go the way that I want, want it to go. I can't quite tie that okay. together. I so, have no control over anything, so why would I even get into this thing? No. What I said was you have no control over the outcome, but you have 100% control over the process. Gotcha. So what I teach people to do, and I focus a lot on the psychology of trading because that's the most important part, that's the hard part, is that I say to people, 
Control the process. You have 100% control over the process. So focus on that, not the outcome where you have no control over it. So in other words, if I have a technique that makes money, and like I said, we teach a million techniques that make money. That's not the hard part. If you follow these rules exactly, you will make money. So now you need to sit down and say, do I know the rules and can I follow them? Can I execute flawlessly? If the answer is yes, you'll make money. The problem is, is that people are very, very disciplined before they get into the trade. So let's say I teach them one of my profitable techniques. So what happens is most people will go in, they'll say, oh, look, here's a trade. I'm going to follow one of Courtney's techniques. I go put on the trade. And then once the trade is on, their IQ goes from 120 to 60. They become the the emotions of a teenager and they lose all their self-discipline. And so when they get out, they break all the rules getting out because once the trade's on, their ego is involved in the trade. And now we're back to, oh, I I don't want to have a losing trade. And it's not the money. It's they don't want to be quote unquote wrong. And so people's discipline is excellent before they put on the trade because they're cool, calm, and collected. They've got no ego attachment to the trade. But once they're in the trade, that's it. Their minds are blown. So if all you did was stay focused on following the rules after you put the trade on, you'd be profitable. Yet people find that very psychologically difficult because now they're emotionally involved in the trade. Yeah, and that's a really strong point here because you're not wrong till you get out. And oftentimes getting out is wrong. And a lot of trades, it's just the nature of trading. A lot of trades start from behind. I'm going to say a paper loss because as long as you don't get out of the trade, that's just all it is. Markets fluctuate. Volatility is your friend. You've heard the opposite. But volatility is your friend. Without volatility, you don't make money. And if you're in a system like you design, we're going to get into that right, right away here. If you're in a system, you've got to let the system play itself out because being behind is no different in a way than being ahead. If you start out ahead of the trade, it doesn't mean it won't end up being a loss and vice versa. And The bottom line is we don't know what's going to happen. We have to let the trade play out, the fullness of the trade play out. It's almost like a baseball game. Someone could be ahead in in the sixth inning, but it doesn't mean they're going to win. The team that's behind, you know, we've seen how many times have we seen this in sports where the losing team comes from behind to win. You you don't just get in, make money, and leave every time. You've got to be willing to come from behind. Happens in horse races all the time, right? You're a prolific systems designer and trader, and you you have written, and I've seen your systems. In fact, bringing up Michael Marcus again, who ran a hedge fund some time ago, which both of us were in, wanted to use your systems, and you taught the fund a solid handful of your systems. Michael liked that idea. He liked the idea of diversifying the way he traded. We wanted to diversify the way he put trades on in the market, and your systems came into play there at the fund here. Why are you so interested in systems trading? You've explained Sakota, you've explained Donchian, these are systems traders. What is it that caught your attention? And of course, removing emotions, but is there something else about systems trading that really works for you that you think is superior to any other style of trading? Tell us just about one or two of your systems and why they're great. There's several advantages to system trading. And one of them, as you just mentioned, it has the potential to eliminate the emotions of trading. But to me, a big part of it is, is that I believe that science and mathematics can be applied to trading. In other words, the image of a guy with two phones and he's going buy, sell, buy, sell. I mean, that exists. And and Marty Schwartz uh, and Michael Marcus that we've talked about both do, you know, they're yelling into the phone to put their orders in kind of thing. But if I can sit back cool, calm, and collected and assemble a portfolio of techniques diversified over different times and styles, I can scientifically and mathematically model what my performance is going to be every year before the year even exists. 
So by having a system, I can go into the past and say, well, how would it have worked in the past? Now, once I see, oh gosh, I would have made a million dollars starting with uh, $12 if I had used this system, that gives me confidence that I'll still make money going forward. Now, by having confidence, then that helps reduce the emotional stress of trading. You see what I'm saying? We get back onto a firmer foundation and it gives me more confidence to just let the system do what it's going to do, which is what you were just talking about. So the ability to be scientific and mathematical, to reduce psychological stress, to have uh, all of those advantages, to me, those, those are fantastic advantages. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode two and stand by for episode three. It's on the way. You've been listening to the Who Are You podcast, brought to you by Biotropic Labs, sports performance supplements for people who move. Join us next time for another edition of the Who Are You podcast.